Hello, and welcome to Book Reviews Kill, a podcast about fantasy, sci-fi, and horror novels. I'm Chad. And I'm Evan. You are listening to the Monday Morning Minute. And this week in fictional news, Amazon has confirmed that the television adaptation of the Fallout video game series will debut on Amazon Prime on April 12th, 2024. Don't worry, everybody. This isn't like an Amazon Prime advertisement or anything. I just, I'm really excited for a Fallout TV series. I don't even care if it's bad. I just want it to look cool. You you heard it first on Book Reviews Kill. I don't care about the story. I just want it to look cool. <laughs> I didn't even know they were thinking about doing that. Yeah, uh, this series will be set in Los Angeles sometime after a nuclear war that devastates Earth in the year 2077. It will not be based on any of the existing Fallout games in the franchise, but will instead feature a new story beginning in Vault 33, where an inhabitant of the vault finds themselves facing a journey into the post-apocalyptic world beyond. I don't I have no expectations at all of this like video game to movie or television things even into books and it's just it's sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't my hopes are not high I'm just going to say that right now I don't I just it's probably going to be fine it's it might not be that good <laughs> whatever I'm just stoked that they're doing something it's fine I think that's an awesome mental standpoint to take for like not disappointing future evan but like my hopes are high I, like they've got a really cool platform Amazon, those sort of yeah. the lord of the rings show to, to jump off of and so it's like i'm going to be disappointed for sure if it's sad but like you said perhaps a little bit of not having my expectations super high could assuage future chad's like emotional response to a bad show but i think it could be really cool and be. i hope it is really cool i don't know i mean you watched the halo show right like I love the Halo show. Okay, love is a strong yeah, word. I was like, gonna say, wow, you loved it. I don't think <laughs> I don't think anybody. Loved I loved it. watching it. Did I love the show? No. Did I love watching it? Hell yes! It was so exciting and fun. That's all I really want from the Fallout thing. I just hope they get the aesthetic right. And like, if it's just kind of about a um, like just a a, a rebel uprising against like the Brotherhood of Steel or the whatever it is. It's fine. Right. Like I, I, I know that it's probably going to be pretty wide and not very deep. And if that's what it is, that's what it is. Because I mean, I'm a huge Fallout fan. I love those games so much. But I'm also an even bigger Elder Scrolls fan. So like Fallout, right, is all, right, is like my second choice when it comes to Bethesda stuff. So same. Yeah, I don't know. I think it'll be cool. But um, Amazon, like they've got some really amazing shows. Like um, Marvelous Ms. Maisel is such a standout show it's awesome it's really really good you've mentioned that multiple yeah, you times you should watch it chad you would really really like it is that a jewish woman right yeah you should watch that show it's really 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 good uh, okay, every I'm single episode of that show is awesome because the name is not very catchy uh i mean it's like an alliteration i guess like i know marvelous. but it doesn't make me think like oh what's going on with that exciting little no, number like <laughs> marvelous miss <laughs> Nate. Um, yeah but like but then like you know rings of power was like fine but not really that good fine it's generous the volcano episode was awesome. Volcanoes are awesome, yeah. <laughs> Actually, the first episode was good. And all the parts with Elrond and uh, the dwarf Durin, I think, those were good. Oh, yeah. yeah those were good. Those were yeah, good. That was awesome. I didn't mind those those parts at all. But then that last, the last episode of Rings of Power is pretty brutal to watch. Like, it's... Oh, my god. <laughs> it took a lot of my patience uh, away from me. While it, I, I could feel it draining like sand in an hourglass, like, while I was... How do I spell Maisel? I'm not sure. You'll, you'll, I mean, just type it in and it'll autocorrect okay. for you. You'll, you'll figure it out. I bet you could go online and find a lot of YouTubers. I haven't, but I'm just assuming, and I think this is a fair assumption to make, that you could find many more people that talk total trash about the quality of the Halo show than the people who are like, it's a great show. And I think we play this comparison game of like, man, I love the Halo sh games, but the show is like not true to itself or like change the storyline or anything. And I really think that it's for an overall sake, if you're trying to like, you know, be annoyed or something great. Watch it however you want to. But like, if you want to get the most enjoyment out of a thing, I find many times it's best to divorce it from the other uh, mediums that that thing has, or else you're just going to lend yourself to like disappointment. It's not going to stand up to the awesome book that it was in your brain. Cause that's it. If you're looking for a great show about like aliens and like a weird like government program that like made some super soldiers and the aliens are fighting these super soldiers, like it's a pretty cool show. I liked it a lot. I have a feeling that making a, a television or a, like a, a movie or putting anything to film from the medium of video games is probably a lot more difficult than it is for books because with yeah. with books you've got like kind of a i feel like it's a better transition like so if you've got a good narrative good story there then you could probably piece it together in a visual medium a, a little bit easier than something that mm -hmm. was made for you to interact with on a di in a different way 
You know what right. I mean? Exploratively almost. Yeah. I don't. So with Fallout, it's like there is a story to it, but like I never really like. Uh, New Vegas has a pretty awesome story, but like Fallout 3 doesn't have like that good of a story. You know, like Fallout right. 4 like, has live. a terrible storyline. Story. I mean, with Fallout 3, you're looking for your dad. But, oh, okay. but like your your dad, I don't know. I'm going to spoil like a 16 year old video game. But like in Fallout 3, like there's a whole subplot about like kind of like bringing fresh water back to this area. And there's like different factions that have different interests and in like whether or not they want to do that and like what that would actually mean for like this. It, it's It's pretty interesting. And Fallout 4 is like pretty bad. Like it's it's a I like playing it more than I like playing Fallout 3, but it's if anyone's listening right now and you're a big Fallout fan, then I don't know, if you like Fallout 4 the most, like let me hit me up because I want to know why. <laughs> like, it's it's a much more fun game to play. But yeah, uh, Amazon like yeah, we'll see what happens. I mean, I'm I have no real super high expectations, but that's the news. Uh Chad, tell me about that's your cool. week. cool. Before we move on from that, you know who Walter Goggins is? He's playing he played an Ant-Man. Um, he's one of the, no the characters, uh, or the actors in in the Fallout show. Oh, uh, um, I, know I like that, him um, Kyle MacLachlan from Twin Peaks. Uh, Dale Cooper, if anybody knows who that is, is in the Fallout show. Oh, cool. so that's pretty awesome. Yeah, that is really cool. Good, good, good. A little segue there. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> uh, okay, so it was my birthday week, yeah, um, which birthday. was pretty cool. Yeah, it was fun. You know, it's funny how your birthdays change as you get older. Like when you're you know, up until 21, they're pretty much the same. Right. They're like exciting. People are stoked about you. People throw your parties. Your mom does something. Probably you have this cool like I am this. You know, it's like when you look at the passage of time in its relative position to the amount of time that you've lived overall, like, you know, day two of your life is like a big deal because it's literally the only other day that you've been alive than the first one. It's 50 percent of your life, you know, <laughs> but like Dave, day four hundred and fifty. 3,000 is like... I don't think you live that many days. I don't know how many days you live. I know what you're saying. Sorry. Yeah, you know, but it's like a very small portion of your life, which is why I think actually, a sidebar, is why we think as we get older that time passes by faster. I think it's our perception of its relative value as it relates to all of the time that we've been around, right? So I think birthdays become less special in our own mind. And I think all of my 20s, I was like, and that's the right way to do it. Like this random day that we like celebrate me. I think I'm wrong because I have some friends who are like really into birthdays. I always make a big deal out of it. It's like they're weak. It's this whole thing. And I think that could add more value to one. There is a day that you should celebrate yourself or like allow yourself to go get a massage and like, you know, treat yourself. Yeah, totally. Exactly. Yeah. So I think I think I shouldn't minimize my own birthdays in my brain as I get older. But you know, like, like I don't, I'm not doing a thing with my family this year, specifically for me, because I have all these nieces and nephews just like coming out of the woodwork. So we're doing a triple birthday in like two weeks from now a dinner. Sweet. Because <laughs> yeah, there's so many of us, it's hard to get our schedules aligned. And so we're doing one for my sister's husband, and then one of my nephews, I believe, who so we're all putting them together, which is kind of cool, actually, because like, I don't need everyone looking at me, you know, <laughs> my mom was like, Are you okay with that? And I was like, love that yeah totally i would feel the exact same way for sure but none of my birthdays are just mine so oh yeah you've never ever had a just your birthday nope it's always also feel about that tell me, tell me about how that's I mean, affected I, I your can life feel, i mean I, I i don't know any other way that there could be so growing up did you feel shorted no because my birthday like some people with my bir- birthdays near to christmas they feel shorted because they you know. yeah i was just gonna say like my birthday is on june 1st which is like the polar opposite of the year from christmas so or not opposite but it's like well i guess it is yeah it's like uh it's on the other side of the year from christmas so it's like my birthday and christmas are like totally spaced out so i didn't mind that as a kid uh, having a summer birthday is really awesome but yeah like i mean it's kind of cool because then i'm never alone on my birthday so yeah. right but did you ever resent the fact that you're like man i gotta share this day with with vaughn i resented so much about vaughn the birthday wasn't even (laughs) (laughs) mainly it was like the space in the womb he took up half of it at least (laughs) yeah and like um, being a twin is kind of uh if you if you if you're friends with anybody uh in your intimate life uh with twin that are twins like uh, let me just let me just tell you a little, little little advice don't refer to them as like one unit that was the most that's the most annoying thing about being a kid yeah. with a with a twin brother or a twin sibling is like uh we were always referred to as like both of us and it was really frustrating because oh, like it was you're half a person yeah, it's really <laughs> annoying because it would always be like the twins and it's just like oh cool like what am i just like one like half of this other dude like that's right want to be like that and um so that was always, you know i pee by myself right like, like, yeah, <laughs> like if, if vaughn did something wrong like they just associated that wrong thing with me 
It was oh, really weird. And, and like that was like, and that wasn't even like in a disciplinary way. That was like socially up until like my senior year of high school. You know what I mean? Like that oh, was, wow. yeah, it was really frustrating. It was really annoying. That's really annoying. Yeah, nobody's doing it. It's not like, no, because Vaughn sucks. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Love you, Vaughn. <laughs> Vaughn is super cool, but um, he is. like, it's not a nefarious thing, but it's just like this thing where people, you know, I think in pop culture, like twins are seen a certain way. And it's it's just like annoying, you know what I mean? Like it's Holy. it's by no means like debilitating or anything. But I remember um like reading the Harry Potter books as a kid and like whenever Fred and George would come up in dialogue, it was really annoying. I hated Fred and George when I was a kid, but now I liked Fred and George. Fred and George are actually pretty awesome. Um but the way that JK Rowling wrote them is really fucking annoying. Like it it's because like she has them like finish each other's sentences. So like there will be like this big sentence or like this big paragraph of dialogue that jk rowling wanted to write but then she would mm -hmm. split it up between the two of them so that they would say like one person would say one thing it's like in the in the movie even they do like uh just make sure to say mischief manage but they, they both say it at the same time and then they both say again otherwise anyone could read it and it's just like that's not how people talk that's not how twins talk you know and it, it's just like it's it's not represented representative of twins so Totally, uh, it's just a continuation of the stereotype—the thing that you hate, which yeah. is kind of like minimizing and, your existence. And the twins are like the, two. And, like, and the twins are like the comic relief in that series too. And it's just like it's like funny that they're twins, and it's just like that's, man. But it is really okay. So the cool thing about Fred and George, though, that I think was pulled off pretty well, is that one thing that is kind of accurate is like, at least in my specific lived experience, Vaughn and I do endeavor a lot of things together. You know what I mean? Like we do. Like we, when, when one of us has an idea, you're a natural team. Yeah. That's a really, really good way of putting it. So like when that Fred and George in the Harry Potter series are kind of a natural team. So that For is sure. pretty accurate. Like Vaughn and I have definitely done like a lot of stuff together that we didn't necessarily need to do together. But um, like when I went down to go visit my family in Vegas, like I didn't fly alone. Like I was with Vaughn, you know what I mean? Like it was just right. kind of like a given, you know, like I'm with Vaughn. We had the same hotel room. We played golf together both days. And we we like ate all our meals together and stuff, and it was like this. You guys are adorable. Yeah, it was like this thing, and we didn't even talk about it. We just did, we just do it, you know. So right, that right. is a thing for that. That stereotype is like, at least in my case, like it's pretty true, I guess. <laughs> but we don't like wear the same clothes. And yeah, stuff. yeah. I think about it sometimes. Oh my god! Wow, I'm so sorry to interrupt you. Actually, because I, I just I just said we don't wear the same clothes. Actually, when Vaughn and I <laughs> met each other at the airport to fly down to nevada we noticed that we were both wearing the same shoes and not just the same kinds of shoes not just the same brand of shoes but the same shoes like from the same wow. brand there were <laughs> we were both wearing brooks running shoes the same you exact both purchased independently of the other one know the other one bought it oh, wow. so we were standing in the airport looking very much the same in our faces and then also wearing the exact same shoes so you're kind of like half a person dude you should probably not even be able to get a full and boat i am kind of like living a lot of these no. <laughs> i'm like upset about it. <laughs> hey there was four four shoes between the two of you i think about being a twin sometimes um because i think you can be there's a lot of negatives for sure like we were talking about and there's also it's some positives because awesome. like, like it, yeah. you know like a, a normal like i have a brother him and i are pretty close we do a lot of things together but i don't think that we will ever uh, nor has like any brother have the potential at least for getting as close yeah, as two twins could be sure. to each other so there's like yeah. an intimacy i think that you have that's kind of like inherent which is really cool yeah. like you kind of always have a best friend that you kind of hate <laughs> yeah he, you he know? really bugs me let's get let's get back to your week though we were talking okay, about okay. Me again. yeah oh my bad no, no, i was asking no, questions no, about your childhood because cool. i wanted to play hey, twins are weird twins are weird so it's it's cool twins to are weird. it's cool to talk about them um, okay, so going back to what I was doing here, love the twin talk, Vaughn, we love you. Um, so I started Wrath. Oh wow, a bit you because we Ruin. finished Ruin. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And I, oh, I know I mentioned that last week that I finished Ruin, but I did allow myself the pleasure of going back and rereading some of the battles because I know that we, you and I are going to be doing an episode about it pretty quickly. So I'm trying to get ahead of the curve, and because we delayed it like our last one um about ruin like two or three times for the sake of me not having finished writing the summary so i'm trying to like get ready for that moment so we don't have to delay it a bunch and i just couldn't remember something so i had to go back and reread it and man those battles are so good like we'll we'll we will and i think very justifiedly so complain about many elements of these books but man the guy is a master of battles yeah, just crazy they're good. really exciting it's funny because like i do have some bones to pick with this series many but 
man like when something is really going down like it's <laughs> yeah they're they're very vivid and very well choreographed and just yeah I mean, you're on your edge of your seat yeah like the most immersed i've been with this series is during the battle scenes for sure 100 percent. yeah that's cool 100 percent. yeah so um you know ruins it's ruin yeah uh, i didn't get too far into wrath because i have memory issues and I find in the past that when I do allow myself to read ahead of where we are episodically with the podcast, I like it's hard to keep them clear, you know? Yeah. Um, but I did want to read a little bit more. <laughs> I was rereading the battles and things like kept coming up as questions and I'd be like, Oh, and so I had wrath and started reading. <laughs> That's, okay. That's okay. Um, and then I finished the name of the wind. Hey, cool. And yeah, dude, man, <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. We, we've talked about it, me and you, on and off podcast before, but we're definitely doing an episode about it, yeah. right? We can do that this week. Yeah. I'm, I'm super done. Yeah, it'll be easy. Me too. It'll be, because I have so many things to say about I can it. do it right now. <laughs> <laughs> and I started Wise Man's Fear. Oh, wow. Like, yeah, you're getting right into it. Let's do it, you know? And I think it kind of like led me to this thought that you and I, I think maybe even have, because we've talked about it a lot, I'm sure, but there's, I think even wider than you and I, there's an opinion accepted by many that that a story or book or series has to have an ending and that this book shouldn't be read because it's not completed and i think that i think the fact of the matter is that a lot of book series really really good books will never be completed like the author's gonna die there's gonna you know for whatever reason and so i think that maybe to remove some of the pressures from the authors out there that we, we should more look at them as a standalone work because like man i like this is not this series is not finished, but I've read the first two probably eight or nine times. Like, and I've loved it every time. They're really good books. So I, I'm I'm thinking my opinion on whether or not I should or shouldn't read books that are incomplete from a series that is incomplete. Um, it's kind of changing a little bit in that like, yeah, but there's still a lot of value that could be had in that book even if it never gets finished. And like, I don't really read books for the ending anyway. I read it for the journey of it, you know. And so I think that it's um not necessarily a bad thing to be super all about that journey and not have the end of the book or the series or the story be the goal of why I'm reading it, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I really agree with you for the most part. I mean, like, cause uh, I've, I've posted about name of the wind a couple of times, like in recommendation videos and stuff. And just invariably I get comments that are like, it's irresponsible of you to recommend that series because it's not finished yet. And why would you get put somebody through this torture and stuff? And it's like, I don't know, man, like those, at least, I mean, I have mixed feelings on Wise Man's Fear. I think it, I think it gets a little squirrely. It gets like really, really weird. And yeah. it, then it kind of finds its feet again, kind of in a way. But like the first, the Name of the Wind, and like the first half of Wise Man's Fear, you'd be hard pressed to find a, a reading experience that you'll be that immersed with. Like, I mean, and everybody's different, obviously. But like, yeah, if I, I mean, going back and immersed like, is the right like, word. I mean, Man. it is a hell of a, a, a an example of really really thorough world building and a pretty compelling story and um you know the main character is pretty annoying and we're going to get into all of this He's annoying yet lovable as as many opinions as we have on it other people have just as many different ones too i mean it's just uh, there's a lot to say about them but i would definitely recommend like if you haven't read name of the wind you should def you should at least give it a shot like read the first yeah. like 200 yeah. pages of it especially if you're new to the genre yeah and even if you don't like it like i mean yeah totally not everybody likes everything but uh i mean i think more people if you're if you're put off from reading them because the third book isn't out yet i would very strongly recommend to read them anyway that's what i'll say yeah yeah, yeah. and i would say that even wider than these books as a general statement I think if you're put off by reading a book series that you've heard is good and the one thing preventing you from reading it is that it's not finished, eh, maybe get out of your own way and enjoy it. You know, it's like a lot of you ever heard of like businessmen. I think it's a pretty common thing where they start a business and then they become really successful and then they like sell the business and on the day that they're selling the business for like two million dollars or whatever. And they're like, oh, my gosh, now I'm about to get a Lamborghini either before that happens or after that happens. They feel like empty and hollow kind of like, what was I even doing this for? Like, because <laughs> yeah. the money wasn't the reason why they started the business to get rich. Wasn't, you know, it's like to have, live a fulfilled life and the business is like currently giving them a reason for their life, you know? And so I think with a book series, sometimes we get kind of put too much importance on the ending of it. And it's not like the ending does not need to even exist for that book to be awesome to read. And also Remember, like, if you are going into these two books and you want to hear me and Chad talk about it and stuff, just remember that, like, yes, they're good books. They're not the greatest books ever written in the history of books. And I think that, like, no. that's a really important, it's a really important point to make for people that haven't read them yet is because they have been hyped 
to infinity and they're very good but you are not going to be like 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 hold up in your bathtub with the shower running for weeks on end waiting for the third book to go that's what makes that's what people make it seem like but like yeah you'll yeah. be frustrated because there's some questions you want answered but like it's not going to ruin your life to not have the third book come out so i think like it's just important to remember that because it's like yes it would be nice if the third one came out so that we could get some answers on things but like it's not that big of a there are a lot there are in my opinion much better stories that i've read which is saying a lot because it's a it's a really incredible story but like man i've read some banger books that like since that like yeah don't worry there, there yeah there no are, i agree there with are you so 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 many books out there <laughs> And just like how your birthday becomes kind of less personally important, or at least seemingly so, because of its relative likeness to the rest of how long you lived, I think a book can very similarly be experienced as good or bad based off of in, in relation to your expectation going into it. Like if you thought it was like if it was really hyped, and then it was like, wow, that wasn't amazing, but like you still thought it was a good book, you might actually think it's a bad book because you thought the bar was so high when you went into it, you know. And so I would encourage anyone wanting to read them to just read it as a standalone as possible our brains must pattern out and make connections from everything but just try to read it and see if you enjoy this story but don't stop before if you're going to read it get at least 70 pages I would say, 70 I, would, I think i would say 120 okay the, okay like there's an event that happens at a, almost exactly 100 pages in. so yeah longer than i would recommend you doing with most books yeah, totally because most books, you're like 50 pages in, you if it's not getting you, get out of there. But with this one, stick around a little longer. I think you will like it. I'm also reading a He Who Fights With Monsters, because I always am. And we'll just be doing that for the next probably year or so, <laughs> I think, in the background. Love it. This one, the setting has changed a little bit. And it's just not my favorite, but it's still very good. And then uh, Dark Age. I've uh, tiptoed my way all into Dark Age. Have you started it yet? Man, Dark Age is kicking my ass. It is so good way. awesome. Like, dude, like the, yeah. the prologue <laughs> for Dark Age was better than all of Iron Gold. It was put together, yeah. multiplied by 10. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, just the pro like, man, Pierce Brown is back on his bullshit, man. Like that, yeah. like it's just felt like, like reading Dark Age. I'm, I'm not too far into it, but just it feels, it feels so much more like confident and it feels just like, ah, man, it's just, yeah, it's just so red rising you know like like iron yes, gold just, yes iron gold just didn't feel like that's all like when we have an episode coming out on this really soon that i just need to finish editing but like iron gold just didn't super feel like a red rising book like it, no, it, just it felt like pierce brown was, was battling cancer or something simultaneously yeah. and just like going through some stuff you know and maybe he was going through some stuff or maybe, maybe he or, was, or, yeah. or it's just the way that the the book needed to be in his mind you know what i mean like and that's totally 100 cool but like dark age just it had that on back yeah, quality, just like, like you said. It's just like, damn, yep. this is so gritty and so awesome and just ba boom. <laughs> Man, yeah. So how are you liking it? Yeah. And I'm glad that you said that because the last book was a little bit wah, wah, you know, and listen to our episode about it because there's some very good things to be said about it too. But I just feel like there was a lot of it just wasn't that action packed. The pacing, the action, and the like just Papowness is back to the first three. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. like what I'm used to, and yeah. I'm really, really enjoying it. So it is a bummer of a series. Like, <laughs> yeah, man, I will say, like, yeah, if anyone's listening right now and they're like, man, these two guys really like Red Rising, maybe I should pick that up. Just remember, like, just know going into Red Rising that it's like, it's a super bummer, and like, kind of it stays that way the entire time. Like, it's it's not a happy, like, fun no there's a lot of glorious battle but it does not glorify battle no and there's a lot of like good. internal dialogue that the main character is having and then later other characters have which is just like it's like being around somebody who is in the worst mood and justifiably so but like man it's just <laughs> darrow is always just like oh everything is just Ugh. doom and gloom and everybody's dying and i'm so sad and it's just like it's such it's a, a wallower it's a lot um so just just know it's one of the, it's it's a fantastic series uh but yeah it's a little it's a little gloomy you know definitely yeah but i mean summertime read. it has multiple <laughs> moments yeah summertime read uh, it has multiple moments where i'm literally standing up yeah. like pacing around yeah. like reading it like oh, and like jumping up and yelling. I've done that multiple times over totally. the course of these. But like wow, real good stuff. Not during Iron Gold. 
<laughs> not during yeah no uh, okay and then the only other thing that i did of note this week was i watched the edge of tomorrow with tom cruise <laughs> just because i watched like the war of the world like a couple weeks ago and i feel like i'm on this weird like yeah. tom cruise kicker because oh, yeah. i like great. got into Scientology a couple weeks ago with reading the Elron hubbard book oh wow yeah on dianetics so that led me obviously to tom cruise which obviously led me to his movies and so i'm just kind of hitting them and that's a great movie oh yeah that's awesome it's really, it's really so good. good. Yeah, it's so good. It's unique. I'm pretty sure that's based on a manga called "All You Need Is Kill." Really, I it's a great name. Could be wrong about that though. I'm, I'm trying. I might be getting my wires crossed here. It does a really cool job with not getting bogged down by the specifics. We we have no idea like where the aliens came from, like why they even want our planet. There's just a lot of questions in it that you never ask during the movie because yeah, it's, just it's just so awesome. You you understand like what's going on and you're just, it's enough for you. And then the, it's enough. Yeah, totally. It's so. It's good. a really good example of the perfect amount of world building. Yeah, that's one of those movies that I feel like it just didn't get. It, for some reason, it just didn't fall into like the mainstream where every totally agree. It was just like one of those things that it came out. People thought it was cool, but it just didn't get the accolades that it should have. It's like definitely mm-hmm. very much worth your time to watch. It's an awesome movie. Yeah, it's an awesome movie. So much fun. Emily Blunt takes up a lot of like why that movie is so cool to it. She's like a really good kind of like counterpoint to like everything that Tom Cruise is going through. Totally. And there's good like lessons in there. Like he starts off like not very tough. You know, he has to grow. It's like it's like the Groundhog Day trope on steroids yeah. in battle. And it's very, very fun. Yeah, I remember thinking like I remember I got to the end of that movie and I was just like, I can't believe I just watched the whole movie. Like that was it was just like so I was so engaged with it. Yeah. Damn, totally. I want to I want to rewatch that. Dude, I was on the edge of my seat. Like, yeah. oh, there's some stressful moments of that movie. <laughs> yeah. and it's, the aliens in there are so cool. They're like like kind of robotic almost like mechanical yeah. and they move in this way that's like a i, I can't even describe it it's like a ten, tentacles that they can grow and snap around and yeah. they're awesome it's just another. so Watch. cool i'm doing it again you, you gotta me. do it you gotta do it anyway tell me about your week um yeah i mean wow uh, yeah I, I read a pretty decent amount i only finished one thing i finished you me and the nightmare painter uh by brandon sanderson and that was all right like i mean i didn't i don't know i compared to tress i like tress more for sure. Uh, I liked Yumi more than Elantris. I think I liked it more than the novella, which I can never remember. The Emperor's Soul. I liked it more than the Emperor's Soul. Like, it felt, it was like, I don't know. I, it, <laughs> I don't really have like a lot to say about it. Like it was, it was charming. I think a lot, like the ideas were really good. Is it in a new world? Uh, I mean, it's in the Cosmere, but it's set on a different planet. Right, but there's planet. different planets. Yeah, and Hoyd is the narrator again. Hmm. And so, I mean... I need I need some more. I finished it today, so I need some more time to kind of like collect my thoughts on it. Um, I might make like a TikTok video about it or something. But I mean, I think that the writing was some of Sanderson's best. Like it just, I feel like a lot of Sanderson that I've read. I, granted, I haven't read all of Sanderson's stuff, but I feel like, um, especially with some of his older stuff, it felt a little bit like rigid. You know, like uh, huh, okay. like. like just a little bit like, like too much on a track. I don't know. Not not necessarily plot wise, but just like the writing itself. It just felt a little tightly wound. And I know that that's not like a super descriptive way of putting that, but it's just how I feel. I was going to say, I don't really know what you mean. <laughs> um, well, like reading Yumi and the Nightmare Painter, it just, it just feels like, I, I feel like Sanderson now, especially after reading Tress as well, it just feels like he's like very confident in his style now. And like he's, he's, mm. he's confident enough in his style to kind of like mess around with different stuff. And, and I really like when he, when when Sanderson is talking about art, like my ears perk up because like I really trust his opinion as an artist, you know, and I really respect him as an artist. And you mean the Nightmare Painter is like about art, and it's like a romance too. And I think he's going into new territory. I'm gonna ask there. about that. It's I mean, dude, it's it's an awesome book. I think that I don't know. I think I was just kind of expecting to be a little more engaged with it than I really was. It took about a hundred pages to where I was like, oh, that's what this is about, you know. So it was like I was kind of like I feel like he was just kind of like kind of vomiting like a lot of like this is really cool look at this really cool thing this is also a cool thing wouldn't it be cool if this cool thing was this cool you know and it's it's like yes i agree yeah that's cool but like what's what's happening right now you know and then uh, about 100 pages in i was like oh that's what's happening and then like 200 pages in i was like oh these are pretty awesome characters and then by the end of it i was like ah well I'm I'm done, I guess. But okay. Um, but I I, mean, I still recommend reading it if you know if you want something that's like if you want Sanderson, but 
as different as Sanderson has been, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Like it, it doesn't, it almost like doesn't really feel like Sanderson. Right. I think we could say it and I haven't read the book, so I don't know what I'm talking about, but just from your explanation, I think it could be analogied by like every like famous musician goes through their artistic phase where they go mm. very different from what they've been doing. And they like sequester themselves out in the woods and they take a bunch of acid and they start like crunching pine cones and changing the pitch and making songs for the record. I don't think, I don't think Sanderson did that. <laughs> no, but this is like his equivalent <laughs> of that mean, sort yeah. of, it sounds like he's like getting different and trying things out, you know, because he's already successful. Yeah, so he yeah. can, he's allowed the Liberty of not being stuck to the thing that works, you know, it felt pretty experimental. I mean, like, um, yeah, yeah, that's good. I, I think it's totally worth a read. Um, I like Tress more. I like Stormlight more. I like Mistborn more. But I mean, it's pretty cool to just kind of see like uh, Warbreaker. I like this more than I like Yumi more than cool. Warbreaker for sure. Yeah, because I mean, uh, Warbreaker is just fine. Like uh, we have a whole episode on it's that right. and stuff. But um, I think the Yumi, you know, say one thing for Sanderson, the man just is an idea machine. Like it's some of the stuff that he was explaining. I had to like read over it again because I was like, really that whoa it did it's like the idea was kind of like his art is a magic system or um it's just like i mean the way that it's hard i don't want to spoil anything but there's like sure there's elements to one of the the worlds i i guess you could put it like that it was like how the hell would that work and then he kind of explains it more and it's just like damn dude like you're so good at taking this idea that's just so out there and then grounding it in, in like the nerdiest way to where it's like you couldn't help but believe it and sanderson does that in all of his books and he's just such a master at it it's a, it's like with metallurgy or whatever it's called i can't remember the exact name of it in mistborn but yeah this idea that you're like swallowing metal and it gives you powers and stuff it's like on paper it's like so stupid but then the way that it's actually explained allomancy allomancy yes yeah um, like, there we go like when the way that it's did you have to look that up no no wow, i didn't i literally you. typed in Look at Dude, you. Dude, I, I was going to. I was about to Google it and I typed in alloy. Yeah. Because I was going to be like alloy magic. And I was like, alloy magic. Okay, cool. That's why. Um, yeah. <laughs> but like I said, I mean, like, he, he really is just a master at saying this kind of outlandish thing and then reeling you back in with a pretty thorough explanation. And not only an explanation, but like making it relevant to the plot and the characters in the world and like making mm. it feel like this fully realized cool thing god that's hard to do and then the reason i liked yumi in this regard is that it's all kind of tied to like how the main characters feel about art that was why that was really driving me to finish it you know because i just really loved reading those parts and i and i liked making that connection uh through the story so yeah i mean it's good it's just like um i don't know i just wasn't super like engaged the way I, I think I just have high expectations for Sanderson. Like I just, I expect sure. Sanderson to just like, it's like his own totally, fault that you like it that much. Yeah, it's not, <laughs> yeah, he wrote the book he wanted to write, but like in my mind, I was just like, where's like the crazy, super gnarly stuff that's supposed to happen. Like, and right, then, right. Like, I want people running with bridges on their backs while arrows are flying out of and stuff. Yeah, and, it, and like magical, mechanical, like mech god that's, fighters. Yeah, yeah, that's just like not what this book was, but still, it's totally worth, uh, totally worth How's it. How's his romance? I know that there's like a strong uh, theme of that in there. I don't know. Like it was, um, it was fine. <laughs> okay. Just fine. Yeah. I would imagine that actually, if you were to be like, tell me how good you think Sanderson's romance would be like, be like I bet you he could do it, but it's not going to be. I don't think it was bad. I mean, I think, amazing, but it, it wasn't like this. It wasn't like cringy or anything. It was just like, Oh yeah, totally. Then, uh, so I finished that and then, uh, still rereading Salem's lot. I'm like halfway through it. I forgot how long Salem's lot was. Like I picked it up and I was just like, I want to give Salem's Lot another read. An easy like one. 650 <laughs> pages long. Oh my God. I, Did you do it on your Kindle? No, I'm reading it. Um, so oh, okay. Yeah, book reading, well, that's analog. silly of you that you didn't pick it up and immediately notice how big it was. I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, because I got like, I was like, I'm like 280, 300 pages into it. I was just like, damn, I still have a lot of this book to read. But yeah, I, I think, you know, it's interesting because it was like my second Stephen King book I ever read. And I've since read, I think over like 40 or something. And I think it super holds up. I think um, it's a lot more long-winded than some other King that I've read, which is saying a lot because like a lot of King is very long-winded. But like this book is definitely like wow, man! Like that is that was a lot like, of like going into like philosophical diatribe no, no, or like descriptive. It's, it's like so um, something that King does in a decent amount of his books, not all of them or anything, but a decent amount of them is he, he likes to kind of like build a town from scratch and he's, hmm. he's going to introduce you to everybody. He's going to tell you the backstory of the town. He's going to tell you what the rivers are called, what different. And in this book in particular, there's just like this whole section where he's just like, okay, 
and it's not that long i'm being kind of dramatic but it's just like it, it's just like this whole section where it's like okay so like this is what the geography and like topography of like this one quadrant of town looks like and like there's like the history behind the town going back like 150 years and it's funny because while i'm reading it i'm kind of like man get a move on but also building a town like this in in, in such a vivid and kind of long-winded way i feel like it really adds to the terror that he's kind of going for here, you know, um, right. there is it certainly makes their world live off the page. Well, Cause like for anybody that doesn't know about what Salem's lot is, Salem's lot is about a small town uh, in Maine and a vampire and his henchmen or and the hench, a vampire moves into town and opens like a furniture store. Uh, but it, okay. I know it sounds like kind of like a, what if a vampire opened a, a furniture store, but no, it's, yeah, it's yeah. like, it's really creepy actually like the there's like just there's certain is it a scenes, bad vampire yeah no oh, yeah okay but if there's certain scenes there's like there's a scene where one of the people in town he's like a real estate guy is selling this like haunted house that the vampire moves into um there's like a, a scene where he's talking to the vampire's like assistant for lack of a better word about making this sale and it's a really it's like an uncomfortable scene it's weird like the way that this other dude is talking is just it's really off-putting and then there's like another scene later i don't want to spoil too much but there's like another scene later where this guy is like kind of like a he's like a saul goodman type guy you know what i mean and he kind of like gets mm -hmm. his he gets like his assistants to like take these boxes to this old house and the mm -hmm. way that stephen king like kind of sets this tone of uneasiness through how the character is feeling about nothing really in particular you know like he doesn't give like a whole lot of detail on like what anything looks like or what it, it's just it's so delicate and it's because it's so cool to read something that's so early in king's career and you can just see like even in these early books like he's just he was such a master at just making you feel as uncomfortable as his characters felt with like not a lot you know as long-winded as he is with like explaining so much about so much other stuff it's like when he really gets down into it it only takes a few words to like really scare the crap out of you and like i kind of was like reading it late at night and i was like okay well i think i'm gonna i need to read something else like this is right like i am very aware that my back is not to a wall right now yeah, and this is not a good time yeah. to read this <laughs> and i just like i like vampires a lot i think vampires Me are too. really cool um, I'll read about vampires forever. I'll watch everything. I like vampires. Um, th I think it's just because they're so, they're so like classy, like usually things that yeah. really scare you or like, I don't know, there's just something about, something about vampires, you know, it's like, like evil with the code. Yeah. Yeah. It makes them more dangerous almost, you know, they're, they're, they're not yeah, just like yeah. this mindless, like banal monster. It's like, no, they're relatable, they're like calculating. You know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so yeah, still going through Salem's Lot. It'll probably be the only other Stephen King book I read this year besides, uh, I think, the Tommy Knockers I read earlier. Never say never. I don't know. Yeah, I might throw in. I mean, I might read Holly. I'm not sure. There's a lot of stuff I'm trying to get to. Uh, yeah, still reading Dark Age. We just talked about that. Ruin, I'm about halfway through. You kind of beat me to the punch there. Ruin, yeah, I'm, I'm into it. Like, um, for the most part, I th I'm into some of the characters and not as much into the other ones. There's, um, in my opinion, there are way too many pov chapters in these books like that's my chief concern like that they're not concerned it's my chief complaint with faithful and the fallen i want more time with fewer characters so i can develop an attachment and right now i just feel like a, a pinball and a pinball machine and every bumper is one of these characters like and i'm just i, I just i don't even know like where i don't know what anything like looks like or where anyone is or what i mean it's just it's really frustrating it's very frustrating because like none of the characters are bad no it's just like no i don't i don't get enough about each one to even care and it's annoying it's all just becoming like a big blur in my head of like a bunch of different people and like it's just you know two or three or four pages with one character and then there's like nine other pov chapters and then we get back to this character for like two or three or four pages and then there's like nine other ones and it's like that with all the nine other ones too so it's just i never feel like i'm really sitting with somebody and getting to know them but like we said before battle sequences are great i i really like the direction that he's taking everything in what way well there's so much about this series that feels so done and predictable but also it's not and it's just it's like right when i'm like oh of course and, and then it's like it just kind of like nudges itself over just a little bit to where i'm like no that's 
that's pretty weird like why'd you yeah. yeah and and i like that's why like i'm still really pretty into these you know i'm i don't feel like i'm i don't feel like the surprises are gonna run out right i've watched a lot of reviews online that say that laud the fresh take on tired tropes yeah. within his books yeah. and i, I kind of disagree with them initially i'm like no it's not that fresh it's like just uh, the trope but you're right you're not wrong i can't like disagree with him entirely because he always does kind of get you a little bit where you're like okay fine you know i don't know like uh these aren't my favorite that i read this year that's for sure Def not, def not. I think I'm I'm mostly, I'm going to go ahead and say like almost done with, well, I'm like halfway through it, but I'm almost done with the third book out of four. I'm going to say I'm like pretty underwhelmed, I think, with this series. Like I don't this think it's- This is the best one of them so far. Yeah, Do you think I think that? this is the best. Well, no, because yeah. Malice is really cool. Uh, the first, well, no, actually the first like half of Malice was really cool. Kind of, you're so confused all the time. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I like this one's definitely, this one feels like the most confident. This one feels- the clearest this one feels writing is definitely the best um the pacing is like really fast like really like there is something wild going on in pretty much every chapter in this book so it hasn't <laughs> been a chore to read like valor the second book was kind of rough for me like it took me a really long time to read it felt like it was like pretty boring uh, but this one definitely there you could use a lot of words for this series but it's not really like once you're into the meat of it yeah, it's not really that boring at all. No. But yeah, I don't know. Like, I'm kind of just ready to be done done with it and move on to uh, Skolomance and um, Covenant of Steel. And then when we're done with Skolomance and Covenant of Steel and, and Binti, we're reading Binti by Nnedi Okorafor. Uh, once we're done with those three things, we're moving on to Malazan Book of the Fallen and Throne of Glass, uh, which is going to take up a lot of the podcast. I'm so, so, so excited for it. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm, man, I'm so I'm just ready to throw time at it. Yeah. Like, I'm so excited for Malazan because it's Malazan, you know? It's right. And then I'm also really excited for Throne of Glass because I feel like it'll be a nice kind of balance. In juxtaposition, yeah. Like, I'm not saying it's like worse or like, you know, simpler or whatever. It's just like, I think it's different enough from Malazan that we'll, we'll be able to kind of like separate those two things. Like, Typically, it'd be really hard to read another series while you're reading Malazan Book of the Fallen, but I think Throne of Glass might be fine. I'm thinking mm-hmm. maybe it won't. I have no idea. But um, okay, so those are all the books that I'm reading. Um, except, except, I'm reading another one. Oh, yeah, I started another series because I because oh. I can't leave well enough alone. It's Just like, a glutton for punishment, this guy. <laughs> I think I said on the last episode that I wasn't going to do this anymore, but I'm sorry, everybody. I don't even know if I'm going to finish it. Who knows? That's why you're like, this is not going to be my last Stephen King book of the year. I was like, never say never. (laughs) I'm a mood reader. I started Dragons of Autumn Twilight, the first book in the Dragonlance trilogy. Oh, okay. And man, oh man, I really like it. I like it. Really? I like it a lot. It's really cool. I I don't... (laughs) I I like it a lot more than I thought I was going to like it. Like, it's... um, I mean, it's old. There's a lot of words in it where I'm like, that was where it didn't need to be there. <laughs> yeah. Which is like ways of looking at the world that you're like, well, yeah, we don't really think like that anymore. <laughs> well, and the, yeah. yeah. And there's also just, it's just funny, like the banter. <laughs> there's so much banter <laughs> in these books. It's just like, oh, you're short, you're fat, you're poor. Who cares? Like, <laughs> this, so, like these people are like constantly ribbing each other. Uh, but I do like the story, the way that it's developing, like good action scenes and just, it's just whimsical and like great descriptions of stuff. Like some of the sentences, I'm just like, damn, Margaret Wise, Tracy Hickman. Like that's an awesome way to say what that looks like. I love it. Like, this is great. I feel pretty immersed. The characters are like individual and fun. Which is impressive. The story is cohesive with two authors. And anyway, I think that that would be cool if like, I mean, not because we're doing it, but I think that it's, it would be cool if more people wrote books collectively, like as a group, you know, like the expanse, awesome like if the the two times that i can think of it happening they've written like very good yeah, book series that yeah. are critically acclaimed by many granted i'm sure there's many times that it got happened that never saw the light of day <laughs> but like yeah i don't know i think that it would be any time that we can add community to our life like like reading has always been a me thing alone because it's like inherently i have to do that alone but as soon as we did the podcast we built a community around it like now my hobby adds so much more value to my life and so any times that you can do something that you love and do it with another person especially if you love that person yeah. man i think not only make some cool you're stuff gonna, yeah you're gonna make some cool stuff and at least have fun doing it I, I really wasn't expecting much and you know this maybe this uh, goes more into our conversation about expectations you know like expectations are important but i was not expecting much out of dragon lance and um 
yeah color me delightfully surprised because how I, far are you i'm only like like 80 or 90 pages into the first book or like maybe, maybe 100 i think um okay but yeah i'm gonna at least read i don't know if it is it dragonlance trilogy i think there's four of them because i think summer flame or whatever came out like a little bit after the i don't know i need to look into it but it's my back burner series you'll you'll hear updates on me i might not even finish i have no idea um but i started reading it just to, i was like i want to fall asleep to something like that i'm just i don't really care like that much about but it's still fantasy or something i can't remember what my rationale was behind it but i like started reading it and then i kept reading it and then i kept reading it yeah it's cool it's just um i don't know it's just like the kind of fantasy i want to read right now and i, and I think that I wish I wish that I had more time on my hands to kind of like, you know, because I want to read a lot of the newer stuff that's coming out because I, right. I like I like it. I like being caught up on like right. and you need to, frankly, in your line of work. Yeah, I mean, I, it's it's important to me. But then there's just like some other stuff that's just like all the Tamara Pierce stuff and Melanie Ron and all the gore novels and all the um, C.S. Friedman stuff. <laughs> there's just like there's so much stuff out there that's that's so like all the ellie modisett stuff and david farland and mm -hmm. all the michael moorcock stuff i haven't read all the glenn cook you know there's there's so many so banger much. authors that are all the david gemmel stuff. you don't like, even know yeah. but you want to find out <laughs> yeah um there's there's a lot i don't know it, it it's weird sometimes because like you know as a content creator you know sometimes if i post about old stuff and 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 i don't i don't and you all listening know this too i don't just like form my reading habits over like what i think people are going to want to watch content about that's not how right. i do stuff You're not chasing keywords sometimes i do it you know what i mean like some, sure. sometimes i do it because it's like like when fourth wing came out by rebecca yaros i was like oh i'm gonna read this and it's like the most popular fucking thing on the planet right now so i'm gonna read it right, right. and like when i make content about it i know it'll do well so like that's another incentive to read it but i wanted to read it because it was so popular and i wanted to see what all the fuss was about like i just bought uh, the Secret History by Donna Tart. That's a book. Granted, that came out in like the '90s, but everybody's read that. It's it's talked about to this day still on TikTok all the time. And I know that when I finish it, and like when I I took a picture of it, put it on Instagram story, I got like 15 DMs that were like, "I can't wait to hear your thoughts about this," because like every because oh, wow. everybody's read it. Now, I didn't buy The Secret History because I wanted attention on the internet. I bought it because I've heard so much well, about I mean, it and I want it. That's what we do it, pretty much everything. It's a, so. it's a nice perk. <laughs> it's a cool part of it. Like, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Like it's fun to make stuff that gets good, good engagement. It's for unfortunate. Like if I read something that's like really, really long, like something like if I read every saga of the recluse book, like all the Ellie Modisett stuff, that's a lot of books. And if I a read of all of them, It'd be like a pretty big time sink and not like a ton of return on social media. Like there's not a lot of people that have read those. And so it does kind of factor like in sort like, of truth. <laughs> I think I'd get a lot of hits on sort of truth just because everyone would be, you think so. But yeah, because it's kind of a controversial series, but I just like, yeah, I really right. want to read them. But what I'm saying, though, is like it does factor in a little bit. So I, I think it's all about balance. You know what I mean? Like because I've only got so much. I've got like a finite amount of reading time and stuff. But I think that doing these kind of like little, like some retro reads now and then, it's really awesome. And um, I really like just like, you know, since I'm so familiar with all these different titles and all these series over decades and decades, it's just cool to kind of like go back to Dragon's to Dragonlance and just kind of see like, yeah. like, oh, yeah, this is, this was really popular. You know what I mean? Like this right. people really, or like with um uh, the Shannara books, you know, like I yeah. personally don't like the way that those books are written like the because i'm i'm really used i to, enjoyed the first one quite a bit though yeah it's cool but like yeah like go go read it it's like kind of it's not very well written like in my opinion it's not very well written at all me neither i mean i don't think it's a greatly written book but i enjoyed the first and one i don't even have have like super high expectations for pros and stuff like you know what i mean i'm not like a snob right. about it but I do notice sometimes I'm just like, geez, I was choppy as hell. Like, man, that whole paragraph to like say that one thing, like, geez, that was not efficient. Mr. Brooks, granted, Terry Brooks wrote that on a typewriter in the 70s. You know what I mean? So like, it's different. Even more reason to be efficient, though, if you're writing on a typewriter. You know what I mean, though, is like, um, I, I know don't... what you meant. <laughs> I feel really, really blessed sometimes that I can just like select an entire paragraph and just like delete it and i don't have to get like a new piece of paper or anything oh my gosh what a blessing for writing that is man but you know to your point i think that it's you know like i didn't read jules verne my little jules verne kicker wasn't because like it was popular in the common parlance to like be tough but i think that 
not only was it enjoyable for me because I like reading and I like reading um, books that are old and critically acclaimed like that, not just enjoy the, the, the books themselves, but I think that there is like a, a tertiary growth value in there that it makes you like, it broadens your horizons oh, as yeah, a reader, absolutely. which will make you better at making content about things that are popular today, you know? So it's kind of like a, like it, it adds to your foundation. Yeah. I'd say like it's a, it's an 80, 20 thing. You know what I mean? Like 80% of the time I'm just picking whatever the hell I want because that's just what I want to read. And then like 20% of the time it's like, all right, this is pretty, this is kind of on everyone's radar right now. Let me check this out. And I think that if I keep to that, then I feel really, really good about it. Like if I was only reading books, everybody was talking about all the time like i think i'd go crazy because i wouldn't be you go crazy yeah i wouldn't be reading dragon lance i wouldn't be reading like like when i read um i remember it was like a really big kind of eye-opener for me i mean because i read a uh, revival by stephen king i loved it I, I was just like this book was so good like i just i really liked it and i gave it like such a glowing review on tiktok and like nobody cared that i had just finished revival <laughs> like no one wanted to no one wanted to talk to me about it no i didn't get any dms about that one like i didn't <laughs> no one in the discord wanted to talk about revival uh and it's funny too because it's like i had such an amazing reading experience with that book like i, I mean i and i would still very much recommend it to anybody it's it's definitely i would argue it's stephen king's most underrated book it's really really good <laughs> but even people listening right now are probably tuning out like i don't care about revival <laughs> i don't care about some crappy stephen king book that i haven't read like last year apparently it wasn't crappy no i thought it was really good uh, but yeah that's everything for me um i last little thing for me i don't think we're gonna do the the fun fact this week we're just gonna leave it off on this one everybody that's okay but the last thing for me is uh i uh you know it is it is fall it is spooky season in Portland here, we do have the season of fall, you know, we have, it's very moist and it's very, like the leaves are dying, the leaves are changing. One could colors. argue you only have the season of fall. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of the year. But anyway, uh, I started rewatching Stranger Things. I started with season one. Ooh, nice. Oh man. So good. Dude, it's so awesome. Like it's just, so good. it's just the music. I'm only up to like season three, I think two, maybe I haven't finished it. I know there's multiple seasons I have Man, not watched. I love that show so much. Like, and, and now it's got the nostalgia factor to it too. Like enough time has passed. Well, it's kind of a nostalgia based show too, right? Like the right. it's, setting it's, of it's it, like the music in it is all like now that enough time has passed to have nostalgia for the show itself and not to mention all the nostalgic feelings that come with it. Uh, just, it's just a big dump of like, and and so it's like there's just that layered nostalgia there's, cake. there's the aesthetic and the music and everything which is amazing and also it's just such an awesome story like it's such a good story man like it's just like the idea of like this this other dimension popping up in this small town and then you've got these kids lose their best friend and it's all connected to them finding this girl and then like Hopper and like, it's just, man, it's just such a freaking great show. And so, yeah, I'm watching that again and um, just singing the the unneeded praises of um, Stranger Things. But man, it, it feels good. If you're, if you're looking for a show to watch everybody and it's spooky season, and you're just like, what is, what am I looking for? It's Stranger Things. You should <laughs> just go watch Stranger Things again. Do you know it's uh, loosely based off of like a conspiracy theory called the Montauk Project? No, I didn't know that. Oh, really? That could be the fun fact. Yeah, oh, here's the fun fact for you. The show Stranger Things is loosely based off of a real thing that happened in the world. Um, maybe. That maybe really happened in the world. What really did happen for sure was the CIA or FBI, one of those groups, some dark government agency, set up a base on Montauk Island, which is a island off the coast of, I think, New York. I think Montauk is like a, a city on the edge of Long Island. It's like on the very tip. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And there was, um, so they have this little like base there, and it was alleged that they were doing a lot of experimentation on people. Uh, well, they said that it was for like viruses mm -hmm. and stuff, which is like pretty sketch having like virus experimentation like that close to like a major population center. That aside, it's like rumored that they were, you know, doing like hybrid animal species and there and like there's some weird things, creatures, corpses that have washed up on the beaches around there. There's, there's like the Montauk monster, M-O-N-T-A-U-K. Oh, yeah, yeah. Google it, look it up. It's a real thing that washed up on the beach somewhere in like New York or something that was like 
this is literally an animal that we have no idea what it is. And it looks like half of one and half of another. And there's been like four of those that have happened. So it's a conspiracy theory, but not entirely without foundation. And the strangers thing is kind of loosely based off of like what they were doing there. You know, like they released, they opened a portal and they released this creature into our dimension or whatever sort of thing. Yeah. Like it's definitely, it's it's got like that vibe to it like that kind of like governmental conspiracy mm-hmm. and then also i mean i don't know if you ever watched that movie akira the anime yeah yeah totally okay, so it's like you know like there's even a trope love akira yeah like there's like a trope for it now like akira kids you know like stephen king did it with oh. the institute you know like just this idea that you've got like these kids with magical powers i think also like i haven't read it but the girl with all the gifts i think does that to a certain extent too um but it's like it's not it's a pretty used trope you know, um, and then also you've got like the boys on bikes, and the trope is just kids with gifts. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, or, or okay, and um, I think very used. Well, I mean, I think what a lot of the trope is is like they're kids with gifts, but it's like there's adults that have like a a, a reason for like keeping them all, and like they're like experimenting on them and stuff. <laughs> sure, okay. Uh, but then also there's like the boys on bikes trope, which is you know uh, the Goonies, I guess you could say buttercream being. Yeah, like so it's like it by Stephen King and goonies and akira mixed together you know what i mean it's like like all three of those things Uh, and i and it's funny because um i don't know if anybody here has watched the uh the it remake um i think the part one of it is amazing it's really really, part two kind of fell apart it's kind of weird i didn't watch it it's not bad it's just like i like the first one so much that i was like i'm not gonna really really good it's it's interesting though so finn wolfhard is in the, the kid that plays mike in Stranger Things is in it. Oh, that's right. Right. Um, I think he plays. Does he play Richie? He doesn't play Bill. I think he plays Richie. I can't remember. Anyway, uh, Finn Wolfhard mm-hmm. is in it, and it's interesting because it came out in 2017, I believe, and Stranger Things came out in like 2015 or 2016 or something. Mm. Um, and I, I'm not, I'm not saying, I'm not saying, I'm just saying. Hit us with the theory. Like, Hit us with the theory. Like, like well, because it, the original it, um, takes place like the kid portion of it takes place in the 50s. And the adult mm-hmm. portion of it takes place in the 80s. Uh, so with the movies, with the remake that they did, they shifted it and made the kids part take place in the 80s and made the adults part part take place in present day. Mm. And I think they did it because of the success of the 80s nostalgia for Stranger Things. I could be wrong. It could, just be, a, it could be a total coincidence, but it's there. You know what I mean? Like totally. it's, it's like a thing. Um, Montauk base also closed in 1981 too. So that's also like set in that time. Yeah. 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 yeah I think, man, like the, <laughs> I was like rewatching that first episode and I was like, man, the budget, this, like with all of these songs from the eighties, like, you know what it costs? And all the old like, cars and stuff. Yeah. Oh, like, where do they man. even like build a town that was seventies? I, I, it's funny. Cause like, you know, somebody like pulled out like a Pringles can. Right. And it's like the details that you have to make sh- when you're doing period pieces like that, you know, especially when we were talking earlier today about um, the marvelous Miss Maisel, that all takes place in the fifties. And like, they have to make sure like everything, you know what I mean? Like it all has right, to like, look- where do you even go to get a Walkman now? And you can buy one on eBay. They probably honestly, can you? they probably honestly got a lot of stuff from eBay. Like, probably there's, did. like collectors, like everybody collects everything, you know? Like I doubt that like, like handed like don't break this. This is very expensive. Seriously. It's a collector's edition. Like, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I'm, I mean, I hardly believe that like the Duffer brothers were like making trips to their local like vintage store or something. They probably ordered everything. Yeah, I'm sure they're a person who works under the person who works under the person that works under the person who works for them. Did. It's so funny, man. Like how, like a show like that. Can, I want to talk to somebody who was like a kid in the '80s because like it made me want to be like 12 years old in 1983 which is funny yeah. because it's like would i want to be a kid <laughs> well i don't think it was very different than 12 year old you and probably though not. i think that yeah, 12 year old today i think you and i are very kind of like maybe not in a special i mean i think we're special but like we're in a generation that was right before the internet yeah like it's like you grew up with like the dial-up and like right when you were probably 12, 13, your parents probably got like dial up internet and you had yeah. to only have like, like, get off the computer. I need to use the phone. It was like a thing you heard growing up where I was like, understand that. For a while, you know? the internet was just like a novelty. It was just like a right. fun thing my parents did that like I used yeah. every now and then and didn't start getting real until like MySpace and Facebook came out. And yeah. it was like, wait a minute. Like now we're on here all the time. Like before right. that, it was like. Like my parents would like use it to like buy stuff on eBay or like 
yeah, yeah. check their emails and stuff and look at the news. But it was like this thing where like you got on the internet for a little while and then you would get off the internet. Right. Usually like, for a purpose. I need to buy a rare yeah, fish for my pond. It's like a tool. Yeah. Now it's a place to be. I remember I have a vivid memory of my dad because I was like I was like five or six years old or something. I was and we didn't we had internet, but it wasn't it was just like nineteen ninety six internet. It was crappy. But like I remember asking my dad what this big long shelf of like uniform books was. He was like, well, these are encyclopedias. And I was like, what? how old are you? I was like five or six. It was like a vivid, oh, okay. it's a really vivid memory I have. And my dad was like, well, these are encyclopedias. And this is, this is for, if you ever want to know something. Right. This is our collective knowledge. Yeah, They had all of them. And I, and, yeah. and like, they were a big deal. It's so funny. Cause like, yeah, encyclopedias obviously have a bunch of stuff. There are a lot, there's a lot in, you'd be surprised at how much stuff is in an encyclopedia, the collection. Yeah. They're like uh, humanity's collective knowledge. Yeah, but like, relatively, it's nothing. Oh, it's like nothing. not even. It's it's like the bare bones, like things you would need to know. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right, right, right. Like, oh, so little of the human knowledge was put in those books, even though they're big. There used to be like encyclopedia salesmen that went door to door. My parents have a copy of them as well. I think they were a wedding gift to them. They were expensive. They were really expensive. They yeah, were like hundreds and hundreds of dollars for a whole set of them. It's funny because. I think there's been like stand-up comedians that have joked about this probably, but like this idea that up until, you know, like 96, 97, whenever people had internet or really until you had, I mean, I remember in like 2003, 2004, when I was in school, looking stuff up and like not find, I couldn't find stuff. You know what I mean? Because right. there were research papers were difficult. Yeah. Now it's a breeze, but like, but totally. before, now you can have an AI do it for you. But before the internet, it was just like if you wanted to know something and you like you would like ask people or you'd look at an encyclopedia. And if that if you didn't get an answer, you just didn't know. Now it's just a thing you right. don't know. Which is like knowledge was more valuable back then, or at least in people's minds, it was harder to get, right? And scarcity I suppose. is I don't know. One of the primary things of value. You know, if you were to print Wikipedia, it would take more than one million pages. That's more than one thousand twelve hundred page volumes. A million page book. Yeah, I think there's a service of Wikipedia. Because I have this I really, maybe not really cool, but I had a business idea like four or five years ago where I was like, oh my gosh, what if it was like a, you could be like, hey, I want to, I'm really interested about dogs, jujitsu, sailing, and tying knots. And I'm looking for a coffee table book. And then I, this service would like find those articles on Wikipedia and then kind of like compile them in a pretty way for you. And oh, you could yeah. kind of build your own book based off of your interests that you could have laying around. And Wikipedia totally does that. You can actually go on there and like <laughs> buy, you know, like make yourself your own book. And I was like, oh man, they took my idea. I have an idea for a, um, for a podcast that I might do solo. Not because I don't love doing it with you. Because you need more projects. That's for surely a thing. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. Uh, but there is a podcast idea that I had where um, it'd be like, the goal of it would be to like fall asleep to it, basically. But I was thinking about <laughs> okay. just like picking random Wikipedia articles and just reading them. And then that would be the entire podcast episode. So it'd be like, like fall asleep to Evan reading this article about the Super Nintendo system. And then I would just like read from the very beginning. You know what I mean? Um, Man, that sounds like super boring. Right. But you could totally fall asleep to my sultry, deep voice. You do have a really good voice. And I mean this as a compliment, not as a insult because it could be easily taken as one but you do have a very calming soothing like it would be easy to fall asleep to your right, voice like, listen, just, just listen to this okay the super nintendo entertainment system commonly shortened to super nintendo super <laughs> nes or snes is a 16-bit home video game console developed by nintendo that was released in 1990 in japan and south korea 1991 in north america 1992 in europe and oceania and 1993 in south america like I, and this is a long Wikipedia. It's weird. I could that could do that could be like 15 20 minutes long. I was bored that entire time. But, but, but when you stopped, I was engaged. sad. I was sad when you stopped. I was like, "Wait, wait, but he's not going to keep going?" Like slightly engaged, you know. Yeah, yeah, interesting idea. I think it was gonna it's a very milk toast idea that might be very successful. I think I was going to call it like Sleepypedia or something like that. Sleepypedia. <laughs> Oh, if you're listening to fall asleep, dude, that's a pretty good idea. If you're listening, you do right have now. a great voice for it, and that's illegal, right? Like, like Wikipedia is like totally. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's it's publicly accessible. I don't think reading it out loud to anyone would be 
Now, if you were to sell that, right, I wouldn't sell it. I don't think I could even. Yeah. I don't know if I could even run ads on it. No, you probably could because you're taking a thing and you're changing the medium of it. Mm-hmm. So, like when they do like review videos, you know, or you have like a response video or something, reaction, that's legal because you are changing it artistically enough that it's a right. new thing technically in the rules of you know copyright law. So, I think you would be doing that. Like you couldn't go to Wikipedia and get that. Right. It's a it's a new thing. I don't know. I'll, I'll mull it over. If you're listening right now, um, we're going to end this episode. But if you're listening, hmm. let me know your thoughts on that. If, if it's worth pursuing, because and don't steal my idea. I'm copywriting that. Everybody, <laughs> yeah. don't do it. We know we can trust all thousand upon thousand upon thousands <laughs> of you. All right, I do anyway. I love them all. That's going to do it for us today, everybody. Thank you so 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 much for listening to the Monday episode. This is mine and Chad's highlight of the week, and we hope it's the highlight of yours too. Also, uh, we do have a Patreon. We have a Discord. We have uh, respective social media pages, but most importantly, we have a Patreon. Uh, so please... yes, and most importantly, we're loving it a lot more than maybe I don't want to say we used to, but we're really trying to prioritize yes. some content in there. Like we started this episode by talking what an hour oh, and a half sure, or so. Yeah, we got some stuff coming out for the Patreon, everybody. Don't you worry. We are going to put some stuff out there for the Patreon um, specifically, and that'll be kind of a, a, a regular thing moving forward, which I'm really stoked on, actually, because oh, yeah. I can just be an extreme. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Chad gets crazy on the Patreon. Yeah, nuts. I'm a very angry person. All right, everybody. Uh, hope you have an awesome, awesome rest of your day. And of course, happy reading. Bye, everybody.